up the slot. Miller lost it. Dodonov gets it. Two on one with Stone on the right. Stone to Dodonov. He scores. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Maybe a two on one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. And welcome into the VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Chris Chapman here with you. Darren and Ryan are at T-Mobile Arena getting you ready for tonight's game with the Dallas Stars. Uh, Darren and Ryan, unfortunately, are having some technical difficulties. So, uh, oh, there we go. We got them yeah. back. They're cool. I just wanted to see if you could stretch a little bit. Well, I, I got the April text Fool. message. I got the text message. Just said you guys dropped, so I had to... Uh, Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't send that. At least get ready to throw to break because we know I couldn't do a full segment while you no, guys got. No, no chance. <laughs> no, You're busy z- cutting audio back there. Yeah. Uh, so what? What audio clips do we have? Uh, well, I'm. Have- I'm. I'm in the process of sending you guys a text message. Mm-hmm. What I've got. So. Okay. So tell me right now. We we've got a couple of minutes. So while we while we just uh, banter on the air. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I have Pete DeBoer talking about Joe Pavelski. Nice. Uh, we also have Shea Theodore discussing uh, the the power play, making it Good. making uh, improvements, and yeah, uh, we have seen improvements on that. Also, Shea uh, talking about maybe turning the corner as far as uh, the team getting fully healthy. Well, I think that uh, that that's certainly uh, the theme to the last ten days is adding players and getting back to the lineup that they thought they would have in September. There's really one player, two players out right now: Nolan Patrick and Alec Martinez that they hoped that they would have when the when the season started the middle of October. But mm-hmm. uh, we're talking training camp. And Patrick's been out there in the non-contact uh, red sweater, and we know that, uh, that Alec Martinez is around. But this is their group, and you've seen in the last two games what this group can do, lighting up the Arizona Coyotes and adding one more piece in William Carlson on Sunday night and skating with and defeating the first-place team in the division. I, I think there's some really optimistic signs that the team that we thought would be able to build up a cushion going into the Olympic break is going to be able to put on some kind of run with nine games before Christmas and, and be able to close the gap on first place. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the goal when you look at the Golden Knights over the next nine to 12 games that's what they've got they've got 12 left in this year and in the month of december and i i look at this as a great opportunity for the golden knights to jockey for position and put themselves on the right side of of where they want to be going into the new year like this is a team that doesn't want to be in a wild card spot they want to be top three in the division if not pushing on the door knocking on the door for top spot in this division and I think based on what we saw out of them against Calgary, and if you're able to repeat that and repeat that and repeat that, if that process is where it is for the Golden Knights, this is a team that can push on that door. We've all seen movies, uh, whether it's Days of Thunder or uh, different cartoons where the the race car uh, starts picking off play uh, rivals. Okay, I pass. I'm up to 10th. Mm-hmm. I'm up to 9th. And it happens in in. in quick succession uh, because movies can't last more than, than two hours, as we know. Well, that the Golden Knights are kind of in that mode right now going up to Christmas 
You got nine games. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right now. You're tied for the wild card spot. Technically, you're on the outside looking in, but you're tied for the wild card spot. Uh, tonight's an opportunity to pass Dallas, yep. uh, who you're even with. And then it's Colorado and San Jose uh, who occupy the spots. You're four points back of Edmonton for third position in the uh, in the division. Anaheim is five points ahead, and then it's the Calgary Flames who are who are seven up, who've lost uh, a couple, including one to, to Vegas. So you, I, I see this happening where you, you if you go by what you've witnessed. And this team coming together, being healthier, and then certainly playing much more efficiently, where knock off one, pass another. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that theme music starts going in the, uh, in the movie theater, and you start getting excited. Edmonton's next, and you rise up. That surprising underdog, the Anaheim Ducks, by the wayside. Uh, I, I anticipate that this club, top three spot by Christmas, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw it out uh, with the bathwater that they aren't in first place by Christmas. That's a, that's a remarkable, remarkable statement because we were literally talking on this program less than a week ago mm-hmm. about how you're in scratch and claw mode yeah. to get points. And now it's, it's kind of the last two games for the Golden Knights has been... Oh, it's still scratch, scratch and claw. Mm, I, I disagree on that. I think if the Golden Knights rep- replicate what they did against Calgary and you mm-hmm. look at these 9 to 12 games they have left, you can conceivably look at that and say, okay, there's at least eight wins in there. If they play to that yeah. expectation. And I see no reason why they, why they can't because with a very similar roster to what they have right now, they did it for 56 games last year. And I just think that as you get healthier, as, as you, you get players back in the lineup that are going to get better and continuing to improve, I, I think the process can be what it needs to be for the Golden Knights to go 8-4 uh, and four over the next 12. The schedule is a little bit different because they were so they just in their same loop last year. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of really good teams and there were a couple of really bad teams. Uh, this, this homestand, there's four games. You already beat the first-place team in the Calgary Flames. Tonight you're going to play a team that you're tied with in the standings in the wild-card spot in the Dallas Stars. And on Sunday, you're going to face the best team from the Central Division. So in the, in this homestand, there's three playoff teams and two division leaders. Mm-hmm. That's more difficult. They already won one game, and who knows what's going to happen Friday night against the Philadelphia Flyers because they're that might be the scariest or most unpredictable game you have no uh, idea. out of the whole bunch. You get through this homestand, though, and I know it's on the road next week, a little softer uh, from a, when it comes to opponents. In, instead of three playoff teams, you got one playoff team out of those four, four uh, games, and you might be able to feast on it a little bit more. But it's, it's still scratch and claw, and points are the most important, and, and process is, yeah, you want to see them playing better, mm-hmm. and you want to see them more consistent, and you want to see them executing uh, on, the, on the power play. Maybe all that doesn't happen at once like it did the 40 minutes, the first two periods against the Calgary Flames on, on Sunday night. But you do see a, a, a tide turning where you might get two or three of the big five points of, of producing a victory come together at the same time. And can you get that third one that, that turns it uh, all the way? They're in, they're in the more likely than not likely uh, category now with the health of this team. Yeah, I'm starting to get the sense that that going into a game, like when the Golden Knights were going through their injuries, and it, it was many and it was a lot, um, 
there were moments where you go into a game and you say, who knows, right? Who like, knows? Who knows what's yeah. going to happen? If Vegas can pull out a point, that's great. If they can find two, that's just phenomenal. But, you know, tonight going into this game against the Dallas Stars and, and really over the next couple of games, I feel like there's a change in the mindset of what the expectation is going to be. Let me put it a different way to you because you just talked about uh, the hope versus the expectations mm-hmm. uh, have changed. Yep. Compare the lineup that Vegas will ice tonight yep. to the roster that went into Dallas yep. in game six of the season, five, uh, seven, game seven of the season, and won that game. Like Dallas was by far the better team that night mm-hmm. off the back-to-back yep. against yep. Denver. That was when uh, Vegas had to fly in the day of the game. Uh, but but it was a season-changing or season-saving two-game stretch. Yeah. Because the Golden Knights had started 1-4, and four, went into Denver, won a close game, and then flipped over to, to Dallas and found a way to pull one out of the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Chris Angel-esque what they did. Not that uh, Angel does the, the rabbit in the hat thing anymore. Yeah, but he could if he wanted yeah, to. If, if he wanted to, but yeah. that's kind of lame. Uh, for Chris Angel, not but when you can levitate over the Luxor. Come on, exactly. The, the and and they they managed to levitate because nobody knows how they won that game. Like even other magicians. Well, I mean, other magicians we, are wondering we, how they won that game. We know how they won that game. Loren Brassois was really really good, and the Golden Knights got a six on five goal late because late. Jonathan Marchessault came through for the Golden Knights as he's done so many times. But you're right; they had really no business. With, with the way that they played in that game, they had no business getting one point, let alone two. It might have been one of Dallas's best games of the year in Certainly, talking to yeah. several of their yeah. people. And they didn't win that game. They were kind of on the that – w- that wasn't the greatest start for sure. them either. But yeah. they, they – as opposed to what they're doing now, where they're winning games when maybe they aren't the better team, they were the better team that night and didn't, didn't pick up a win. But that roster that night, mm-hmm. like they, Vegas was just going into the heart of – What's going on here? Losing a yeah. player every night. Yeah. They found a way. This, the confidence in the Golden Knights coming out for the pregame warm-up tonight yeah. will be extraordinarily different. I'm watching pregame skates and, and the practice yesterday. There's laughing. There's joking around. Yep. There, it, it wasn't, it's not all business now. You're not just holding on to the reins and hoping that you don't fall off. Now they're, they're in control and they're enjoying the ride. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the shift has been from, okay, let's do what we what we can to stay close and hope that we win. And now the Golden Knights go into games thinking that if we play the way we are supposed to, we expect to win most nights. And that's, that's really kind of the difference in what the roster is going to look like for Vegas tonight. The amount of players that are back into the lineup and that can help you can be drivers. Uh, this is a completely different Golden Knights team than mm-hmm. the one Dallas saw Game seven of the year. So are they turning a corner? Here is Shea Theodore on gaining some confidence. Yeah, um, you know, it seems like past couple games you've, you've, you know, watched them score some goals for sure. And, um, you know, I think I think just from our, our game perspective, I think we're starting to turn the corner with, you know, having guys back. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a different test than, you know, when we were in Dallas and, you know, we had kind of a limited lineup. But, um, you know, it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, and Dallas is an intriguing team with big-name stars, with uh, some interesting goaltending developments uh, within their organization, and Vegas is is hitting stride uh, right now. 
one of the places that we're going to watch very closely tonight is ice time. Now, that's an individual's ice time is one thing that we all check the stat sheets for. Mm-hmm. Uh, who played the most uh, defensively uh, up front, but it's it's predictable. That game against Calgary for a close game featured one of the most uh, interesting outcomes when it came to line-by-line ice time allotment. The first line was the most, mm-hmm. but just behind that was the misfits, mm-hmm. and just behind that was the third line. Then there's some some standard drop-off that you'd expect from the, from the fourth. But I don't remember the ice time being so balanced in even-strength situations between the Stevenson to Carlson to whoever's playing on the third line. And that's because the third line was so effective. Mm-hmm. Was it a one-off, or will we see Yanmark, Dodonov, and Wah take control of what's been the one missing element in all the years of the mm-hmm. Vegas Golden Knights is being able to follow it up with, with a third line. There's been Alex Tuck and yeah. then whoever he Alex Tuck was playing with. Mm-hmm. Do they got something here? Well, we, if that ice time is balanced again, we, we might be looking at something pretty cool. Well, I, I think that was the whole point of the offseason right for the golden knights was you go out and you get evgeny dodonov and you're doing it with an eye with an eye to um making sure you've got a third line that you can trust in situations and that you can expect to score that that can really become a driver and you know to to an extent that's why you re-sign matthias yanmark that's why you kind of retool things with the understanding alex Mm -hmm. tuck's not going to be around he's not going to be available to you for a while um I, I think that the hope is that it's not a one-off, that you've got a newly confident Nick Waugh who understands that playing down the lineup now, he's going to have more favorable matchups. He's got the confidence that he was able to do some really good stuff with Marcia Owen Smith when he needed to play up the lineup. And you've got burners in, in Matthias Yanmark. His speed opens things up and Dodonov finishes. Like, all the key ingredients for a solid line are there with those three players. We have spent time speculating what happens when Jack Eichel comes back Mm -hmm. to somebody like Chandler Stevenson. Sure. How about what happens when Nolan Patrick comes back? Because the third line is supposed to be his line. Mm -hmm. But the way that Nick Waugh has played, and certainly in in short samples, combined uh, some, some real... Uh, optimistic uh, foresight from Yanmark and, and Dodonov. Mm-hmm. Is this, does this end up being the third third line and you find a place for, for Nolan Patrick either up or, or, or down the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think when Nolan Patrick is ready, assuming that you still have a really good line or line with Wah, Matthias Yanmark and you have Getty Dodonov, like, I look at Nolan How do you Patrick. Break them up? Yeah. You, you can't, right? So you put Nolan Patrick in on the fourth line, and I get it, but you put him on the power play. Like, Nolan Patrick was brought in here as much for what he can do on the power play, especially net front, uh, as opposed to what he can do five on five. So if you have a player on your fourth line and Nolan Patrick that can be an anchor, that can, you know, 
maybe fit in with a little bit more skill that Michael Amadio brings to the mm -hmm. table and you, you know what you're getting out of Will Carrier and you can then put Patrick in really favorable positions on the power play, you can get his ice time up to a point where he's going to be impactful for you. Like Paul Cotter came up, made a name for himself. Yeah. Uh, certainly, uh, Lecician came up and grabbed the coach's attention and was able to play some pretty significant minutes at times. We saw... Uh, some, some defensemen in just get little brief looks. But that was all in addition to try and audition, not addition, to grab and make a statement for the next time. Mm -hmm. The biggest opportunity that existed in all the injuries was presented to two players, Chandler Stevenson, mm -hmm. to just affirm his slot as the number one center. Yeah. And he did that. Yeah. And the second one was Nick Waugh. Could he be able to, was he able to produce enough offensive production or chances with two uh, players? And at times that, that was flipped out with yeah. Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault. But I, I think Stevenson and Nick Waugh, two huge winners in the, in the Vegas Golden Knights being able to survive and, and influencers of being able to survive all the injuries. The attention goes to Marshall and Smith and, and certainly uh, uh, down the line of Petrangelo and, and Theodore uh, and uh, Nick Hag uh, took steps. But the two biggest performers in their individual careers with this Vegas Golden Knights team were Chandler Stevenson and Nick Waugh. Yeah, I mean, Chandler Stevenson has, has just done a phenomenal job all year long. The, the ability to prove he could do it without Pacioretty and Stone is, is huge. It's key for him uh, just coming into his own and, and being the player, having the confidence. Uh, and then, you know, Nick Waugh, to me right now, is one of the most important players for the Golden Knights as you go through this stretch because there will be games where your top six is going to be neutralized by the other teams. You're going to go into games and your top line is going to come out equal or, or just about equal with the opposition's top line. You're going to need depth wins here. And for the Golden Knights, if you get the types of contributions you're getting from Dodonov, from Waugh, from Yanmark, that's what I think makes those, those wins the rest of this month Why do you think they're possible. so good? Why do you think that, that line clicks? Yeah, you know, I, I think... With with Wah, he's patient. With with Yanmark, he's got speed to back people up. And then I, I just think Dodonov's really smart. Like he's just a really smart hockey player. And you know, for whatever reason, they read off of each other incredibly well. Like you saw it on Dodonov's goal. He's coming in late. He's just outside of of that coverage. That man back checking. Um, and there seems to be that chemistry with Yanmark and Wa, knowing where each other are going to be, reading off of one another. I just think their skill set's complementary. In, in not traditional ways, they're three puck hounds. Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not talking about guys going in and banging and crashing and, and grabbing the puck and, and, uh, and hooking and, and getting a stick in there. Uh, the, it, it, Mark Stone is a puck hound. Mm -hmm. And he deflects the intercepts. And Nick Wah is a very similar to Mark Stone in that regard, yeah. being able to anticipate and read and knock down pucks. Yanmark's got the ability to to bump, not bang, but but bump, and and he is all in. He's dogging a bone. Yeah, when it comes and and Dodonov is a hybrid of of the two of them, and, but 
normally you have one puck out, one shooter, and one passer. They're really three guys who do a lot of the same things really well. Now, Yanmark, in his course of his career, has been up and down. He goes in a heater yeah. and cools off. Goes in. He'd like to get some more consistency out of his game. Does that come from playing with these these other two players? This this has the line, the potential to be the best third line the Vegas Golden Knights have ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also has the opportunity to be the longest serving <laughs> third line the Vegas Golden Knights have ever had because they're always they've always been from the first two years to to, to now. You haven't had that carryover where the Misfits or Pacioretty, and that happens with a lot of teams. Yeah. And for a lot of teams, it is the third line, too, because you've got the identity line, the fourth line, and then your, your upper upper six. This, this what we're witnessing right now, and they played together a little bit in the, in early in the season, and, and certainly uh, with, the, with their last look uh, the other night with Carlson's return with Watt, uh, it, it might be one of the biggest game changers up front with this team. Can they hold their own? against a Ben and Sagan who are playing slightly down the lineup now mm-hmm. uh, with the Dallas Stars, and they may get matched up against. Can they do that? that that's going to be a challenge for them to be able to, because other teams are going to want their top line against the third line. Sure. Well, that's not your traditional third line Yeah. right there. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be a, a strong test for them, right? Like this game tonight will be a strong test for Yanmark, Wah, and Dodonov to, to kind of continue. And, you know, you, you look at the overtime hero in the first game against the Dallas Stars, it's Evgeny Dodonov. Like, yeah. And who threw the hit in the corner? Yeah. You're, you're, Nick Wah. Yeah, Nick Wah. Like, you're, actually, you're absolutely right. And if, if this is something the Golden Knights can really hone, and as you mentioned, like this is the, the third line for the Golden Knights has been in flux since day one, yeah. right? Like it has been uh, a chemistry experiment to figure out what the what the winning combination mm-hmm. is. If you give it time to grow and it continues to pay you back right now, then this this is best case scenario for the Golden Knights. I, I just I look at it as a line that could be very difficult to play against and very frustrating for opposition, and then you add in the ability to finish like that is key for that line to continue to build and grow with their chemistry yeah not just hold their own yeah but they'll play the opposition yeah and and then you also have pieces of that third line going up playing on the power play right right now the power play is one unit yeah like line one with uh an addition with Dodonov mm-hmm. and Shea Theodore and power play two is uh Petrangelo and line two, and uh, throwing in a piece, whether it be Yanmark or Waugh. Yeah. We'll, we'll see whether that continues, because it's kind of unorthodox. But, it, but it, it, the reason why it is like that right now is, uh, one, two very, very talented lines, sure. which gives you an idea of that. Yep. And the other one is just there's been so much fluidity within the lineup that you go with, with chemistry and players that, that know each other and play with each other. Uh, all the time. But that third line being able to push for five on five minutes, the other two lines, and it's not taking away minutes from the top two lines, but it's earning a rotation. First line gives to the second line, gives to the third line, mm-hmm. and then repeat every now and then spot in the fourth line. Yeah. Uh, if the third line can do that, uh, that is going to take a lot of wear and tear and minutes uh, uh, off of, not away from, but off of uh, the first two lines. Yeah, I mean, the 
it, it seems counterintuitive, I know, but the less you have to use stone and mm-hmm. patch ready to push in a game, the better because they're fresher every time they go out, up over the boards. And if you're winning shifts out, off of your third line, that's setting up your second line and your How first about competition? line. competition? competition? For sure. Yeah, I mean, like, you're going to have moments where the Misfits are looking at what the third line's doing and say, we want to go out there and win that next shift. We want to go out there and kind of one-up and and do what they're doing. And, you know, if you can start stringing those together, then all of a sudden the opposition's feeling like, okay, once we get a puck, we're chipping it out. We're hoping to get off the ice because we just spent the entire shift in our our zone. And that's how you start to wear an opponent down over the course of a 60-minute game. So the post-game show tonight, let's take a look at, uh, well, you will, uh, and and I'll listen to you. Uh, let's take a look at the the ice time of the three lines, yeah. and where it goes. Yeah. Because it was really balanced the other night. There was there was difference in them. First, it, and it went in the exact order you'd expect it to. Sure. First, second, and third. But will it be as close? And if it's and if it's as close, that's a really good thing. Yeah. Uh, and Pete DeBoer. Should be really happy in his post-game uh, press conference. So we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, there was uh, an injury. We'll update you on what happened with Chujarkara last night in the Chicago Blackhawks game. We were A lot of us were watching that with the potential of Marc-Andre Fleury winning his 500th game. We'll also uh, tell you a little bit about some league news that uh, is uh, coming up in one-timers. A big meeting tomorrow as it relates to the Olympic Winter Games. It's... The VGK Insider Show, live from Section 104 of T-Mobile Arena, ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Imagine there's no heaven. Rolling right along here. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. What made you go with Imagine, Chapman? Where, where did where did that come from? Well, today is December eighth, which is the forty first anniversary of uh, John Lennon being assassinated in New York City. Yeah, well, I wasn't alive then, so well, it's hard for me to remember these things. No, There's so many I, dates out there that I, I'm supposed to remember, Chapman. I was only six months old at the time, but I mean, obviously, you know who John Lennon is, and no, I'm aware yeah. of John Lennon for it's, sure. It's a significant day in the history of music, I, I think. So I uh, feel like I just want to black that day out. Like I just want to pretend like it didn't exist, right? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. And the, the worst part about it is the guy who assassinated John Lennon didn't know what his last name was, right? I, I blacked it out, buddy. Like, what, well, what, I mean, what, what are we, what are we not getting it, here? It's, it's impossible for me to black it out because the jerk who killed him, his last name was Chapman. So, oh man, yeah, that's a bummer for it you. Is a, it is a bummer. So, so the Golden Knights uh, set to take on the Dallas Stars tonight. It'll, it'll be an interesting game. Like, I, I'm really intrigued by tonight's game for a number of different reasons. Before we get into some other things going on in the NHL, including a massive hit by uh, Jacob Truba last night on Jujar Kara. Um, you know, I, like I look at Vegas and Dallas, I look at this as, as one of those games that kind of leads into how the Golden Knights want to defend. Like The Dallas Stars aren't going to generate a ton, and they're not going to push the pace like other teams that have been able to kind of get themselves into a track meet. So I, I'm curious about tonight's game. I really am. And how the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars kind of measure up to one another. Uh, Darren Millard. Hey, guys. 
How was that uh, little detour for little, you? A little run, and then they weren't even there. They're up. Uh, they're down where Dave and Shane are. I'm trying to track down uh, Darren Pang from the TNT broadcast. Oh my gosh, you still have it? Yeah. So uh, next commercial bike, I got to run down there, but that'll be easier because I know how to get there <laughs> faster. I ran up to the press box. <laughs> Hold on. Do you need a second to, ca- to catch no. your breath? No. You good? No, I'm good. I worked mm-hmm. out today. What did you do? Bike. That's it. Is that, is that all you uh, do? That's all I do. Wow. And usually I drink. Eat, eat snacks and drink stuff while I'm on the bike. <laughs> what, what, are the, um, what are the snacks? Uh, yeah, pretzels or something like that, just to give you a little oh, bit you of don't, a... Oh, you don't go with the gels? No, I, I, I have gels when I'm on a long one. Yeah. yeah. What's I'll a long one for you? Uh, three hours. How many miles? That, probably 30, 35. Huh. Yeah. Nice. In and around there. Yeah, I'll use a gel every hour if I'm on a, on a long bike. Uh, i got to go on a bike ride with you. Yeah. yeah well, don't, don't e-bike you got to pedal. That's my yeah, only rule. I'm, I'm good. Because pe- people have offered to go for a bike ride no, no, with no, me I'll on, go the, with on the e-bike. Yeah. I'm like, we're not, I'm not biking with somebody on an e-bike. I No, I'm, like, I wouldn't do that to you. No, but I, people have asked. Said, yeah, that's oh, ridiculous. Well, let's go for I a bike ride. Uh, and they, they pull up with their e-bike. No. Do, do, you, do you picture me as an e-bike guy? Uh, well, you are liking of the environment. I do see you as an e-bike person. Oh, like that's that's a in, low blow. Biking what? in from Pahrump on your e-bike. What are you talking taking about? Care of, uh, taking care of the the world. Yeah. You want to know how you do that? That's Best painful. With your own legs, Darren. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. I, that's know, literally nonsensical. It no. doesn't make any sense. And no. People. Not, not when, you have, when you have propellers in your legs. Like, I, I, that's ridiculous. The whole well, that goes against the whole e-bike uh, phenomenon mm-hmm. that is out there. Yeah, people are commuting like crazy un- on un- e-bikes. Until you said e-bike, no clue. Really, I didn't even know they existed. Legitimately, the electric bike, uh, no clue. With the little motor inside, and, mm-hmm. and people look like they're just they're going out to Red Rock and they're just cruising. They're out, and uh, you know what? I, I, jealous. I, at least at least they're getting exercise. Yeah, but that's cheating. Well, not really. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, in, yes. in a sense, yes. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I guess it also depends. Are you are you biking for exercise? Or are you biking to sightsee? Like you you bike out to to Red Rock? Well, you can't get that in in a car. Well, the, then the buy a buy a moped and, and no, be like no, John Merrill. Cruise around town on a moped. I knew no, that was coming. No, the minute he said moped. <laughs> no. uh, but but I I have had people say let's let's go for a bike ride on, on e bikes. Uh-huh. So yeah. I've. Uh, would you want to talk? Well, we biked. Um, probably not. Yeah, so let's just go bike separately. <laughs> I just I want to use you to draft. R- that's R- all. Rubino's uh, like liking that one. Um, when when you guys look at the West as it has kind of sorted itself out mm-hmm. through the first twenty five games, is there is there a surprise? Like Vegas is in its spot because of injury, mm-hmm. but where? Where's the intrigue or difference from what you expected at the start of the season? I mean, for me, it's the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I did not expect the Anaheim Ducks to be where they're at right now 24, 25 games into the season. Like, I thought they would be a little bit more fun to watch. I thought they'd be uh, a harder out on most nights. Yeah. But I did not expect them to be... Uh, not have a staying power. Yeah, no, I didn't expect it. I, I mean, and, you know, I, I, I think... Trevor Zegers is starting to and continuing to get better and heat up a bit. And, you know, Troy Terry has been fantastic. This is a team that, you know, I, I, 
I want to believe that they're for real. I want to believe that this is a team that's going to be in the playoff picture late into the season, and what they're doing right now is is proving to me that they, they might just have the staying power to do it this year. Is San Jose more impressive than what Anaheim's done? So that's an interesting question, and I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that I could answer that in in the right way. I think it's interesting that they're doing it without arguably their best player last year in Evander Kane, yeah. right? I think it's interesting because you're getting contributions from from Eric Carlson and Brent Burns that you were you were banking on to continue to be among the elite teams in the league and you know I I guess I I can buy into the fact that those players are having a strong campaign once again because they've been so good throughout their career. Um but for me, like, I don't feel like Anaheim was even on my radar. And, yeah, I know that San Jose has played well, and I know that they're um, in the hunt right now where Vegas is too. Uh, but I, I still think Anaheim's a bit more surprising to me than, than the San Jose Sharks. Okay. Which is the better division 25 games in, the Central <laughs> or the Pacific? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it stands to – like I think you can make a real good argument that the Pacific Division might be a little bit tougher uh, than the Central. The Central, it's got one really solid team up at the top, and I think that's a little bit of a misleading statement simply because Colorado got off to such a, a rough start at the beginning of the year. I think you give them a couple more weeks, and all of a sudden we're going to start looking at Colorado-Minnesota as the one-two there and, and leaps and bounds better than everybody else. But... Um, yeah, I mean, they're, it's it's kind of deadlocked there, two through five, and, and no one's really stood out beyond the Minnesota Wild early on. I mean, Arizona. Bad. Terrible. Terrible. Yep. Bring, brings everybody down. Yeah. Uh, the the Central, you the fight for that playoff spot in the Central, like Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, Nashville's been good with, with Matt Duchesne playing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Louis is right there. They are. Yeah. Like it's uh, for for a team that uh that kind of just goes through and you you just expect to be in a in a top 3 spot, but you never hear the highs and the lows kind of thing. Yeah. They just somehow have enough points to be in a top 3. Yeah. And Minnesota. But the Pacific Division might be one of the great stories of the National Hockey League season. Left for dead, written off. Sure. Uh ignored uh, as as just being so bad it wasn't worth paying attention to. Mm-hmm. It was going to be Vegas, and then who have, who else makes the playoffs? We'll see. Yeah. And the, the, the Pacific Division, after being massively disrespected in the offseason, has stepped up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly been a tougher division, top to bottom, than I think a lot of people expected it to. And you know, I like you even look at the bottom, right? Like Seattle and yeah. Vancouver with with the Vancouver Canucks now with Bruce Boudreau. Like, I'm not saying they're going to climb up the standings, but they're going to be harder to play against. They're going to be a harder out than they've been uh, at times. And I don't care what you do or or who you bring in. If you were going to bring anybody into the Arizona Coyotes, they're not going to get harder to play against. Like that's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. So, um, you know, I I think Seattle's interesting. Vancouver's interesting. Uh, the Kings. Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, it's it's a it's a division that I think is a lot stronger than many people gave it credit for. The team that that 
again, San Jose would be the club that jumps out at me. Mm-hmm. Calgary, I, we always thought that they were okay. Sure. Now they're better than okay right now. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton, you look at that talent and say they're better than okay, but can they put it all together? Uh, and and they have to a certain point. Little little inconsistent, but they've also got uh, their number one goaltender out of the lineup, which uh, they've been able to to get by on. Uh, and w- that even with people's opinions on on Mike Smith aside, that's a certain hindrance mm-hmm. and and something to to yeah. overcome. Uh, but but Calgary, Anaheim, Edmonton, one two three at this stage of the season is something that would uh, would not be among anybody's predictions. No, at the start, and then to have and then to have like San Jose and Vegas and L.A. all battling it out is is encouraging. Because I, I, you, want, you want rivalries. You want, you want games. As much as you, you want to win all those games, mm-hmm. uh, it's also more fun when things are closer and more, more intense, uh, and, and it creates uh, more urgency uh, through the course of, of a season. I, I think this is going to be a, a fun race to watch. I, you know, I do too. I, I, if you're looking at one through five right now in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. You are looking at the opportunity for the Golden Knights to move up the standings over the course of the next nine to 12 games. Yeah. Who's coming out? Who's go- Anaheim. Yeah. The slipper falls off at some point. So you're not buying them still? Nope. Nope. But I think it's, I think there's so much. Th- listen, Anaheim's the team yeah. that can win 6-5 right now. now. Last night was the outlier. They won 2 nothing. Sure. Uh, that's that. That's a different. Well, I mean, they were playing Buffalo, but but Anaheim's the club that right now uh, doesn't have the, with with their parts that are growing together mm-hmm. and their youth don't have the the structure, the discipline, the uh, attention to detail yet uh, to, to 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 when the things start to tighten up. Sure. After February, where things really get bottled down, can you win Game Six Five? Now they won a Game Six Five against Golden Knights the other day. Yeah. That was that was outside of the uh, DNA of the Golden Knights. But it was right there for a team that's taking that next step. That's what teams that uh, that are on the up and, and coming do. I don't see them being able to continue to pull off those types of performances and score that many goals yeah. uh, as they have and be able to uh, outscore their mistakes because everybody wants to score on that team right now because <laughs> they're having so much fun. Uh, yeah. and, and that... We, we've witnessed it uh, over over the years, uh, so I think Anaheim comes out, uh, and Edmonton and Calgary are there, but in a different order. Ed- Edmonton, I th- I think, is the best team uh, from uh, from a roster standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think Calgary's got a lot out of their season uh, to this stage, and I think Vegas is is by far the most talented and deepest club uh, in, in the division and. And that those will be the three teams. Yeah, I anticipate by Christmas Vegas challenging for that top spot, and uh, the other part of it uh, will be uh, just whether or not they can ca- whether there's enough runway by Christmas. Yeah, it's interesting because like with the cooling off of Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle over the last couple of games, the Edmonton Oilers are suddenly not winning hockey games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and we. You know, I, I feel like every year early on, at, at some point, we look at the Oilers and we say, okay, they're a team now, right? Like, they have they have 
solved or addressed some of the depth issues that they've had in the past. And really, it's just Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid going on an absolute tear and outscoring their problems. I still don't buy Edmonton over Calgary. Like I, I, really? I get that the Edmonton Oilers are the most talented team when it comes to high-end skill, but there are still, for me, questions about the rest of the lineup, and I think with, with a coach like Daryl Sutter and the talent and the pieces that the Calgary Flames have, like I don't know that I see the Oilers overtaking Calgary. I think Vegas will be right there too, uh, but I think complete team top to bottom, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm looking at and taking the Golden Knights out of it, I'm buying Calgary all day long over the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, Edmonton lost to Minnesota last night, and Edmonton should have won the game. Yeah. They, they should have won the game. Just just on quality looks. Power play's gone a little cold, uh, but they, they should have uh, won that game. Calgary fell to San Jose. Mm-hmm. San Jose was the better team. Yeah. They they were uh, the better team. It was a, That was a fun game to watch, uh, too. But uh, McDavid did some things last night and didn't get rewarded for it. And small skill, uh, small area. Uh, plays and then uh, set up another goal. Uh, yes, you pull the RV score. Like just, I'm 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 amazed by him. Um, they they they, Edmonton's not at the at the level of Vegas, right? They're not. When yeah. when now that this lineup tonight that, that we're going to see, uh, and uh, now that that Vegas kind of turned the corner with their structure a, l- a little bit more, uh, it's 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 those three teams and it's Calgary's marvelous start. I, st- I still don't think that they're the best team in the battle of Alberta. How quickly do you need the Golden Knights to, to get into that top three? Uh, I would like to see them by Christmas. And if it doesn't happen by then, are I'm, you I'm not, not worried I'm, about it? No, yeah. no, not, not worried. But, uh, but this, they play nine games in the 16 days leading up to Christmas. Yeah. Do the math on that. And, points. <laughs> and, and a lot of games yeah. and, and some, some travel, uh, a road trip out, out east. But... If if you're gonna go on a roll, you might as well pile up uh, some games in quick succession, and be you don't want two games this week and three next week and two games like roll them out and 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 get going and that's uh, that's why I think that they're primed to to reel in some of these clubs uh, right before the before the holidays and get back to that dominance. People, I I was on NHL Network today and talking just about. Uh, about certain teams and different different clubs that that grab your attention, mm-hmm. different clubs that don't, and why is that? Uh, I'll actually hold on to that that thought and, and bring it to you a little bit later because it's interesting on how much respect and anticipation there is about this hockey club right now yeah. with the Vegas Golden Knights. Our, our play of the day is coming up as we also point our antenna towards our number two of the VGK Insider Show. One-timers on the way, plus a a little more sound from today's morning skate. The Golden Knights against the Dallas Stars. The winner gets the uh, wild card spot as there's a log jam in the Western Conference. Uh, Two teams who have uh, lately played their best hockey. VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Golden Knights out for a three-game winning streak as they uh, head back to work against the Dallas Stars. Game two of a four-game homestand. 
against the Dallas Stars. Friday night, it's the Philadelphia Flyers, and then it wraps up against the Minnesota Wild leaders of the Central Division on Sunday. And the Golden Knights have been able to uh, make some hay at home, winners of seven of their last 12. More to come on the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars in hour number two, the VGK Insider Show. But for the play of the day, we go back to last night and a game in Buffalo in which Trevor Zegras pulled off this beauty. Back comes Milano out there with Zegras and Raquel. Raquel will skate that down. He's got Zegras behind the net. He knows he's there. He goes right to him. Zegras here. He can Oh, look at this. Oh, he just Oh, my goodness. What a goal. The magic of Trevor Zegras. It looks like he was going to try the Michigan play. Instead, he lobbed it off the back of Uko Pekalukinen. As you can see here, he's behind the net. It looks like he's going for the old Michigan. He brings it up. Miller goes to knock it up. He shoots it in front. Oh, what it's a Milano. pass to Milano. Wow. And you can see Zegers, too. He grabs his head. Look at him. He's like, I can't believe it actually worked. John Bucciagras, ESPN Plus, <laughs> uh, coming out of his skin after that one. So the, just to paint the picture for you, it was Trevor Zegers behind the net all kinds of time. And he... Flipped it up like he was going to wrap it around like a lacrosse goal. Mm -hmm. Instead, he just lobbed it up and in front, and Sonny Milano was right there and batted it home about three feet and 11 inches high because the goal is four feet high, and he was below the crossbar. <laughs> it was really close to being uh, at the crossbar or yep. above, and if that's the case, it's, uh, it's no goal. But uh, creativity uh, about and, – and here's the part that, that I love about that goal. It wasn't the sixth goal in an 8-2 win. It was the winning goal in a 2 nothing victory for yep. Anaheim. Yeah, just absolute – brilliance there from Trevor Zegers. So many times we'll see players kind of get the idea in their head to try that Michigan wraparound on the blade of the stick, uh, but for Zegers to, to recognize and just throw it out there and try something. And Milano, uh, the, the interplay between those two and the reaction from Zegers when the puck went in was stellar. Yeah, and then they reviewed it and declared <laughs> a goal and it happened all over again. Uh, we'll get uh, more in on the reaction to that goal from around the league and including the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And we'll also bring you up to date on a developing story involving the Arizona Coyotes and their future in Glendale. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show continues on Fox Sports Las Vegas.